Welcome, and thanks for joining The Journey. Hi, my name is Leah, and I'm a worship pastor in Ohio and the creator and host of The Journey podcast and website. I'm on a journey to yes as I follow the Lord's leading in this season of my life, and I hope to inspire others to step out of the boat like Peter and walk on water, never looking to the left or right and getting distracted, but rather fixing your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. My hope is that you find Jesus in your journey as you hear about my journey and the journey of those in the Bible who join Jesus along the way. I pray that you allow him to meet you where you are and trust him as he takes you where he wants you to go. Enjoy the journey. Welcome to episode 26 of The Journey. Last week I posted an episode about identity and I wanted to go back to this concept and maybe take a little bit of a different approach. Episode 25 kind of focused more on your identity being wrapped up in like the roles you play, the things you do, the hats that you wear and your day in and day out routines. And so this week I wanted to focus a bit on your identity being formed or created or based upon, I guess, labels and maybe other people's perceptions of who they think you are. And maybe not just labels um, given to you, but maybe more of words spoken directly to you or about you or over you, behind your back, to your face. Um, Yeah, so we're going to go a little bit of a different route than we took last week on our identity. So before I get started with this particular content, I want to take a little bit of a detour and talk about something that might seem completely irrelevant to the topic of identity, but hopefully as I talk more, it will make a little bit of sense and connect some dots there. But there's a book by Gary Chapman called The Five Love Languages, and essentially this book describes five ways that people feel loved. It's through acts of service or physical touch, gift giving, quality time, and words of affirmation. And All of us need all of those things. We all need bits and pieces of each of those love languages. But if you read the book or if you've done the study, you'll know that one or possibly two of them rise to the surface as the top ways that you receive love. And most likely, if it's the top way you receive love, it's most often the thing that you also give because it's the thing that you need most. Anyways, not going to go into too much detail because this is potentially most likely uh, one of the next several episodes that I'm going to do as I as I plan some marriage episodes. Um, so I don't want to give away too much of what's coming in the future, but I did want to talk really briefly about it because it connects a little bit with me, let you know a little bit more about myself and maybe how it works into this identity concept. So I'm a big words of affirmation girl. Um, so when talking about these love languages, that means that my love tank, and again, if you read the book, you're going to hear that verbiage love tank. My love tank, if you will, gets filled pretty quickly with affirming words. So this might sound a bit strange um, to you, especially if you have no idea what I'm talking about. So let me briefly explain. And basically what it means is um, to fill my bucket, so to speak, hearing words of affirmation helps me to feel loved. Um, Acts of service is my close second. Uh, And so again, I don't want to go too deep into all of the meanings of each one because I do plan to do an entire episode on it, but I'm throwing this thought out there. So I also want to mention something really quickly about taking things like personality tests or tests to determine if you're a type A or a type B or you get your Enneagram assessments. And these are all great ways to learn about yourself, how you think, how you process. I'm, I'm not um, advocating against any of those things. Uh, matter of fact, I, I love I love learning about myself and how I think and, and why I do what I do. But I also want to caution you. Uh, to not be so entrenched in the results that those results become labels and then they ultimately become your identity because they are not who you are. It's just a little snippet and piece to help you and others to understand you a little bit better. So just throwing that out there. But anyways, back to identity. So 
me, for a person who thrives on words of affirmation or hearing um, positive things in my direction, uh, constantly hearing and receiving criticism or sarcastic biting remarks or things that are um, maybe even not draining um, per se as far as like just critical things, but maybe like you're in a relationship with people and it includes positive interactions and it's not like an overly negative or toxic scenario, but really there isn't much encouragement either. So you go through your daily ins and outs and you don't say anything like rude or biting or snarky, but you also don't give like just some positive encouragement and feedback. So in those instances, it becomes draining on a person like myself who kind of thrives on and feels loved through words of affirmation. So I once read an article that said, for every one negative or critical remark spoken, it takes five words of encouragement to cancel that negative. And if you think about it, that is, that's a lot. That's a lot of encouraging words to combat something negative. And most often, you're not going to say something, spout something off negative, and then turn around and just give five positive, encouraging things. And so I also want to note that just because you do end up following up with five positives, if you do, and they cancel out the quote-unquote negative, that does not mean that a person forgets the critical words that have been spoken. You know, there's an old saying that says, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words may never hurt me. Yeah, that is hogwash. Uh, Words are absolutely hurtful. They can echo in your mind for years. And uh, even if a person offers an apology or they're like, that was just a joke, it's not, that's not what it's meant to be. The words can still remain etched in our minds and hearts and often become truths, although it never was intended to be that in, in any way. So, so what does this have to do with identity? Well, have you ever had someone speak words over, over you? And I'm going to be super, super generic for a second. Like, oh, you're ugly. You're stupid. Why can't you be more like fill in the blank? You'll never be able to do. You'll never amount to anything. There's no way you can even consider doing it, it go on and on. You name it, you've probably heard it uh, spoken directly to you. Maybe you've heard it spoken at work over someone else. Uh, maybe you've heard things in your home growing up or currently in your home. And maybe you've even uttered some of these words in someone else's direction. Again, super generic. We can get a little bit more nitty gritty here into some details later. But um, just just think about just in on a daily interaction, how many critical negative biting remarks either come out of your mouth or your children's mouths, your coworkers' mouths, people around you. Consider like just that dynamic and in the things that we hear and take in about ourselves in a day's time. And, w- and when I think about it, I think, man, so much negativity exists in this world. And it's really actually our go-to, right? So like it's easier to be critical of something than it is, especially if that's your go to and you just it's something that you're used to doing is saying critical negative things like you're a glass half glass half empty kind of person um so when you think about positives and the amount of positives that either come out of your mouth or the people around you it's probably very very limited not because you that's what you want to do you just want to be critical and negative it's just that is an easy kind of go to thing and so i want to give a few specific examples and kind of help you, uh, I guess, apply this to this um, concept of identity and who we are based upon what other people uh, have said about us or their perception of us. So when I was in seventh grade, um, 
I can, I'm telling you right now, I can remember this like it was yesterday. I was hanging out with a group of guys playing hacky sack. Don't want to date myself with that, but uh, I didn't really fit in with, with the girls. Um, and so it's what I did every day. I got dropped off at school, joined a group of guys in a circle, and we would play hacky sack. And I remember these two guys who will remain nameless, although I remember their names and faces very much so. But for privacy purposes, in the event that maybe somehow this crosses their path. I would hate to throw their names out there. But anyways, I can remember sitting in a circle, playing hacky sack, not really even having a conversation about anything much, but I can remember this is what was said to me in this moment. If I could chop off your head, I'd date your body. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So imagine hearing that in your formative teen years. Uh, it does a number on your confidence, I can tell you that much. Uh, and I, I was in seventh grade a really long time ago, and I've since forgiven those boys for those unkind words uh, because they tormented me for years, even into my marriage and my adult life. I, I, n- I never forgot them, obviously. I'm, st- I'm telling you this story all these years later. Um, and and f- for this reason, and lots of others that I can give plenty of other very specific, detailed uh, stories. Um, that, but for the sake of time, I'm not going to do that. But because of this particular statement, I have had a hard time believing that I could actually be called or considered beautiful. Uh, because these words spoken by two guys, we'll call them boys, uh, who truthfully meant nothing to me at the time. They weren't like my best friends. They were, they were just guys that I was playing hacky sack with. We were in band together, whatever the case may be. But in the grand scheme of life, they essentially meant nothing to me, but it made a lasting impact. And in those moments, I'm telling you, in my middle school years and even into my high school years, I clung to the words of Psalm 139 so much because I needed to remind myself that God made me. I was fearfully and wonderfully made. And that verse is something that I have spoken over my life to negate what they spoke years ago because I needed to replace the lie with truth. And I want to give you another um, example of, of something that was spoken to me, but this was during my adult years, actually. Um, I'm not going to give too many details, again, for privacy purposes, although this story is about me. It's not gossip. It is literally something that happened to me. It does involve other people, and so I'm not going to give names or those specifics, but I can remember about nine or ten years ago, um, I was sitting down in a meeting, and uh, I was told by someone who I thought I could trust and respect at that time, uh, that I should never play drums again because I couldn't keep a steady beat. I could never or should never sing in any other key other than the key of E because my range was limited. And I was also told that I shouldn't be a worship leader because some people just couldn't worship when they looked at me on the stage. So I want you to let those words sink in for a bit. To say that air was sucked out of the room is an understatement. I began to question my talent, my giftings, my calling, and, and I took these words to heart. I mean, who, how could you not, right? Like, how could you not? And I left this place and these people who spoke these critical words, and I, I began to find healing elsewhere. And obviously, anybody who's followed my journey knows that 10 years later, I'm leading worship and I've played drums and I still sing and I do not sing in the key of E for all those who are wondering. I actually gravitate towards the key of A and C. So there you have it. But anyways, um, 
I allowed God and other people to begin to replace those lies with truths. And it, it took years. And if I'm being honest, um, I'm still healing and reminding myself of the, of truth when the lies creep in. And, and maybe this example um, might help some of you who have listened to this podcast from start till now um, connect dots on maybe why I pursued um, education and not being a worship pastor for years because I didn't feel qualified or justified in stepping into a role that someone straight up told me I should not or could not do because of you heard the reasons. So why, why do I share this with you? Be- because I know I'm not alone. And I know there are people listening right now who might not connect with the specifics of my story, but you have immediate memories or words that just went through your head and your heart. And you might even have tears stinging at your eyes. And I'm not going to lie, I typed out uh, my transcript, if you will, for my website uh, to go with this. And um, I had tears and I, and I paused and texted my, my family and said, boy, this one is, is rough as I relive the feelings associated with these people and these words. And so if you have tears stinging in your eyes, let them, let them come because it's part of the healing process. But maybe, maybe you can see the faces of the people who spoke some words over you and in immediate like feelings are associated there. But maybe the roles are reversed and you're in a different place as you're listening to this because maybe you were the one who spoke words like what I've heard over someone else. And maybe you didn't even realize the damage that was done. Like I said, I can almost guarantee the guys from seventh grade have no clue what that they said that. And they would probably deny it. Like, there's no way I said that. Yes, you did. I can also almost guarantee that my recollection of the conversation I had with the person that I once respected is not remembered in the same way for that person. You know, there's two sides to every story. Uh, well, that's this is my side and how I felt leaving the conversation. So whoever you are, uh, whether you're the person who received the words or the person who spoke them, I want you to take some time to heal today. And I also want you to take some time to ask for forgiveness or to extend it. I never went to those people and directly said, I forgive you. I never sent an email or a text. I never found them on social media. It was like, hey, this is what you did to me all those years ago. But I did have released them to the Lord and I did it on my own. And you might ask, well, why? 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 How could you forgive somebody who said whatever? Uh, it was like drinking a bitter poison every single time I thought of them or replayed those words. And it was doing me more damage than them because they probably have no idea, right? That's generally how it goes when you have, have someone in your life who is, who is like that. And so anyways, I could go on and on. I could give a lot of other examples. But again, I think you get my point. And for the sake of time, I'm going to keep moving on. So, but. My identity at times has been solely based upon words someone else has said to me or about me. And it's been based upon the perception someone has had of me. And we all know perception becomes reality. And sometimes someone's reality can be greatly skewed because their perception is way off of off base. But nonetheless, it's where I found my identity. It's where you find your identity at times. And when I think about it, I'm, I'm once again reminded of who I am in Christ and what other people say about me doesn't matter. What other people think about me doesn't matter. Now, let's be honest. That doesn't mean it doesn't hurt. It doesn't mean that it doesn't cause trauma. It doesn't mean that it's not painful and um, maybe even add some strife to some relationships in your life, especially if it's like a coworker or if it's a significant other or a friend of some whatever. It doesn't matter. It's easier said than done, right, to say that 
what other people say about you doesn't matter, what other people think about you doesn't matter. It's easy for me to say, um, just think about God and what he has to say about you. But because I've lived it, I'm, I've lived it, even recently I've lived it, I'm not going to lie and say that it's an easy, quick healing process. But it's very important to remember truth and replace the lies with truth. It's also very important to forgive. And I'm going to also say that it's important. Now, in my case, I'm not going to go to those particular people and, and rehash the, this past. But in life currently, I'm learning that as people say things to me that are, we can use the words offensive, but that's probably not a good word, hurtful, um, even if it's just a joke or whatever, letting them know how it makes me feel because my feelings, you know, no one can invalidate your feelings, but, um, and, and then maybe try to get an understanding. Like, what, what did you mean when you said X, Y, Z? And I'm a very literal person, so sometimes I don't always get all the jokes, right? But um, that doesn't mean that uh, sometimes, even if it's just a joke, that it doesn't feel like a truth, even though it's the furthest thing from, like, I, I didn't, I didn't intend that. that, that wasn't what I meant. You know, that, I, I was literally just joking. But sometimes people don't understand that that joke can in fact be hurtful. And so I would encourage you that if you're in a current situation where you find yourself in this scenario, that you let people know and help. And so then you can, you know, work through that instead of harboring bitterness and holding on to things that you just don't need to carry with you. Um, really, you just, you don't, you don't need to carry it with you. So I also think about like people in the Bible who have been criticized and belittled and and there are plenty of them, but two immediately popped into my head. And so I was thinking about Hannah and Penina. And if you're like, who in the world are those people? Please go listen to my episode on Samuel. Uh, you'll hear more of the story there. But this was one immediate one that jumped out at me. It was Hannah was barren. Penina liked to remind her, I have kids and you don't. The Bible says in 1 Samuel 1. So Penina would taunt Hannah and make fun of her because the Lord had kept her from having children. Now, imagine if Hannah had allowed these words to be the only truth that she accepted. Maybe she would not have gone to the tabernacle and prayed for the Lord to answer her and to remember her and to provide a son, which in fact happened, and she became the mother of Samuel, which is a pretty significant person in the life of, you're going to hear me speak in just a second, David, but she could have lost faith. She could have never been given that opportunity because she took Penina's words, lies, as truth. Her jokes. Her jokes. She's taunting her. Ha ha, you don't have kids. You're barren. I, I, I got kids. But she didn't. She clung to the truth of what she knew. And she, she went and she said, Lord, please remember me. And he did. And he gave her Samuel. And so then when I think of Samuel, I think of David. And if you've listened to any of my episodes, you've heard me say that David is, in fact, one of my all-time favorite Bible people. Um, and he was, David was anointed by Samuel to be king, but he was almost overlooked because, as his father said, oh, he's just a shepherd boy. He's small in stature. You know, he's out to the field tending the sheep. And so Samuel was looking at all of these other bigger guys like, oh, yeah. And then that's when the Lord speaks and says, hey. Man looks on the outward, but I look on the heart. These aren't the right ones. Let's go find somebody else. So you may not know, you might know of David rather because of David and Goliath. So David was a shepherd boy. He went to the field to take lunch to his brothers who were fighting the Philistines. And he realized there's an issue with this giant Goliath. And so he says, I'm going to go fight him. Well, Saul has some choice words. And he's like, you're ridiculous. Don't, don't, don't be ridiculous. You, you're not going to fight him. You, there's, it, it literally says in the Bible, there's no way you can possibly win. You're just a boy. Well, David could have heard that, turned and ran the other way. He didn't. 
he chose to proceed. So he goes up, and as he's approaching Goliath, Goliath mockingly says, and it says in the Bible, he sneered at the ruddy-faced boy and mocked him for trying to approach him with a stick, which we know, by the way, the stick is the uh, the sling and the stones, and he was successful because God provided a victory for him. But but thank goodness he did not turn and run and again. He could have, when Saul said it, and then he could have when Goliath said it, but he didn't. He proceeded, and he positioned himself to be victorious because he allowed God to remind him of who he is in him. And so I could add a bunch more biblical examples to this, but once again, for the sake of time, I think you get the point. And ultimately, we, we can't let our identity be wound up in something that someone else says about us. We have to allow ourselves time to heal. We have to remember that in the healing process of deep wounds, there's often scars that remind us of the past, but we heal and we forgive and we replace those lies with hurts, uh, those lies and hurts with truth. We allow God's word to be a healing balm and to begin to restore and revive what was once broken and bruised. So as I sign off on this episode of The Journey, my prayer for you today is that whoever you are, wherever you are, that you begin to allow your identity to be rooted in who God says you are. That you begin to erase the lies and the hurtful words spoken over you in your life and you replace them with truth. And I pray that you allow yourself the time needed to heal and to forgive. And the forgiveness piece is so very important. I pray that you know today that you are beautiful. You are worthy. You are chosen. You are loved. You are cared for. You are accepted. You are able. And you are enough. Thanks for listening to The Journey. I'd love to connect with you and hear your story and how you're journeying with Jesus. You can go to my website, leahmenzie.wixsite.com slash the-journey and click the contact tab to connect with me through this form. Email me at leahmenzie at gmail.com or check me out on Instagram and send me a private message. Until next time, journey on. Journey on.